0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, May the 26th, 2022. It is currently 5.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, a few days ago, in fact, let me tell you exactly when the first episode was. On May the 19th, So it's been a little while. On May the 19th, 2022, I recorded an episode that I entitled 30 Life Principles Part 1. And since then, well, that kind of, that led to a part two. And then part two turned into us talking about Balaam and the Talking Donkey, which is now a separate series from this, but that really, that, that really arose from this study and I hope that you're finding either Balaam and the talking donkey or these 30 life principles to be somewhat, at least, interesting and and maybe challenging. I, I don't think everyone is as interested in the 30 life principles as I would like everyone to be, but I just find it fascinating. So let me just remind you of what we're doing. Okay, there is a very famous pastor by the name of Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley started, uh, put out a study, a very long, I don't even know how many years ago, it, it seems like it's f- forever ago, but called 30 Life Principles, where he gave 30 life principles that he has supposedly been teaching through 50 years of his teaching ministry. 30 life principles. Now, way back then when it originally came out, I was somewhat fascinated by it because I'm like, you know, that that's kind of cool. Here's Thirty life principles, and I thought about you know what I'll, I'll write down the thirty life principles, and and I'll I'll try to make these like my life principles. But for some reason, there was always a disconnect. Like I would look at some of the the study, listen to sermons or whatever from the series, and I'd be like, okay, I, I think I understand that life principle, or but I would not necessarily understand maybe the scriptures he used to come up with the principle. It's almost like he came up with the principles. And then like, okay, here's these 30 life principles. Now, And then he went to scripture to try to find the supporting verses. Now, I'm not saying that's the way it actually went down. That's just the way it feels. Because when you look at some of the scriptures he uses to kind of prove these principles, I'm just sitting there going, I don't, did that, did those verses really, in other words, did those principles really arise from those scriptures, or were those scriptures found because he already like okay here's the principles I'll find scripture or was he studying scripture and then found the principle to me, he came up with the principle and he just looked for any possible scripture that would go along with it, which to me is is very problematic, not only from a hermeneutical perspective from a theological perspective because our theology our our principles whatever if we want to call them thirty life principles should arise from the study of scripture now he probably would claim that that's where the principles came from but it's just when i look at the scriptures he uses to justify the principles i'm i there was always a disconnect always a disconnect and i thought numerous times about buying the study guide uh, the the book the uh, and and I do have uh, a, a couple of the books on my Kindle from 30 Life Principles. I don't even know all the different things there are. 30 Life Principles book, study guide, I, I guess an additional book. I don't know. There's just so many different things. And you have the 30 Life Principles Bible or the Life Principles Bible, which is a Bible which highlights these 30 Life Principles. So it, it's been a, a merchandising uh, endeavor by his publisher and his ministry to uh, get these principles out there. Again, I've I've always been fascinated by, by them because I kind of, in some ways, I kind of like that idea. It just seems so like there's something just so simple about it. Like, here's these life principles, and these are the life principles I live by. These are the life principles that guide me. These are the life principles to let me know when I'm off track. I kind of like there's something about that that kind of I kind of like that idea. But there's another part of me that kind of thinks that life is too messy to have simple like life sometimes is is confusing and difficult and it's not always simple. So um, maybe there's a part of me that doesn't like life principles. I don't know. It's just I was drawn to it and then kind of. Well, it sounded good. And then when I started looking at them, I'm like, I don't know if I'm as convinced by this as as maybe I should be. Like, there's a part of me like, what's wrong with you? Here's 30 life principles. You should think this is awesome. You should study them. You should teach them. But I was always like, I, I just don't, I can't, I don't know how to teach them because I don't necessarily see the scriptural support for them. Not saying all 30 are that way, but a lot of them we really struggled with. In fact, um, we looked at one where we went to the book of uh, Numbers, and that led us to Balaam and the Talking Donkey, and they used parts of uh, of Numbers to try to support the life principle, and it just, again, I felt like there was a disconnect. So, I, I was, I, so this, so I just want to kind of continue. I don't know. Well, I'm just going to continue to do different things associated with the 30 life principles. Originally it was like, here's five. Next week, we'll look at another five. Next week, we'll look at another five until I kind of give you all 30. And then you can tell me what you think. I'll, I'll offer a little, just a few thoughts about it, but it's what always happens to me. Once I sit down in front of the microphone. What I think will be, oh, I'll just give five, the five, you know, five life principles in this episode, the next episode, the next five, uh, offer just a few comments and then move on. But it, it never, I can never keep things simple because once I start looking into it, once I start taking it apart, then it just, well, more and more things come to mind and it just kind of begins to spiral out of control. So we're we will finish our look at Balaam and the Talking Donkey, because uh, that's just that whole section is fascinating. Um, and we will probably go back and look at some of these individual life principles and and take it apart. But I think in this episode, we'll just look at the next five. That, does that sound good? We'll just look at the next five. So here we go. Let's review. Again, okay. these are 30 life principles taught by Charles, Charles Stanley. Now, according to him, these are the life principles that basically have been taught over and over and over again in his 50 years of ministry, all right? So these are what he thinks are, are super important, and obviously he believes they're biblical and believes they're theologically sound. There's all kinds of merchandise that goes with it, so it has had at least a minimal influence in the evangelical world. How, how big of an influence, I cannot say. How many churches have used the study, I cannot say. But I'm always keeping my eye on what's going on in Christianity. And these books are still being featured somewhat prominently. And a lot of, uh, you know, if you'll get a catalog, I think from Christian book distributors and other places, you'll see Charles Stanley, 30 Life Principles. So since it, they're still there, still being promoted, I thought I would at least let you know and you can tell me what you think. And I guess kind of what I want to challenge you to do is as you consider these life principles, I want you to come up with 10 of your own. I still would like to see your 10 life principles. And I would like to see your biblical justification for those principles. Now, he gives 30. I know that would be a a lot of work for someone, but I I still think it's kind of interesting to to develop them and, and see what people would have. Like, these are the life principles. After all of these years of living as a Christian, these are the life principles that I think are important. We'll see if anyone decides to share them, but uh, let's let's just go back through them. Here we go. Here are the five that we've uh, looked at. One of them we've looked at in somewhat detail. All right, here we go. All right, number one, our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives. All right, and I'm not going to do all of the review. You can go back and listen, all right? Our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives right? And this just seems to say that intimacy with God is God's highest priority for us, and it seems to kind of go almost in a different direction than what I would say is God's glory is his highest priority, but okay. Number two, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's that sounds like an interesting one. Maybe we'll have to go back and see what scripture they use there, and and see. In fact, if I look here, um, it looks like they they go to Exodus. It looks like they go to Exodus, which would be <laughs> that that would be kind of interesting uh, to see what they do there. But yeah, we 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 won't we won't go into it. See, as soon as I as soon as I tap on the screen and I open the table of contents, which are all hyperlinked in my Kindle version. I immediately want to just start, okay, let's just stop right there. Let's let's go through the study guide and see what they have to say. Um, but I, I won't do that right now. So, number one, our intimacy with God, the highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives. Number two, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. And that one sounds really, 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 really good. And I probably may even write that down. And we talked about it. We looked at the verses they use in Numbers. And I'm going to say this. The way they use the verses in Numbers to try to prove the point, I still call into question. But the more we keep working on Numbers, I think there are some ways to maybe make it fit. We'll talk about that uh, probably, we'll probably talk a little bit about that the next time we're studying Balaam and the Talking Donkey, so you'll have to be looking for that live broadcast, all right? But here we go. Number four, the awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. Now, I have all kinds of problems for the, with this one. The awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. How do we, how are we aware of God's presence? Like, what does that mean? Because it sounds like it could be very much related to to. Feelings, and we know that's very subjective. So exactly, like I would be interesting to know exactly what they mean by that one. We, we may have to go back and study that one. Number five, God does not require us to understand His will; just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. Now, the problem I have with that one is I know Charles Stanley is teaching on discovering God's will, and it is a subjective mess where you're looking for a feeling or trying to hear some inside voice, It's it's just a disaster. So I said we could rewrite this one or reword it, and I would say this. God does not require us to understand everything in his word. Just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. I think that's a good life principle. Now, number six. This one is the one that I'm really fascinated with. I I was going to turn on the microphone today and just look at the study guide. They go to the book of Judges for this one. I'm still trying to figure it out. First, The first part of it makes perfect sense and is very biblical. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. I think that's a very important life principle. You reap what you sow. That is an important concept and an important principle and something we need to remember I think as early in life as possible, you reap what you sow, this idea, you know, I I think it's, I think it's very important. And, and we, we probably need to do some discussion. it's probably a principle that we need, just everyone needs to learn that what you, in a sense, what you plant is what you're going to get, what you, uh, you're going to reap, you're going to reap what you sow, Or, or I'm sorry, let me read it. Yeah. You reap what you sow. Okay. What you sow, what you plant is what you're going to reap or what you're going to harvest. Like I thought I was saying it backwards. Okay. But now you reap what you sow. I think it's an important concept because there's so many times in life I can look back and there could be a lot of factors, a lot of things that, that could be motivating me to, to not sow as much as I should. And, and I could use that as an excuse, but if I would have just had the principle down, Hey, wait, Here's the situation I'm in. Whatever it is, you know I'm going to reap what I sow. I'm going to get out of this what I'm planting, what I'm putting in, what I am sowing. That's what I'm going to reap. So I better make the most of this and get the most out of it. And 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 because if I don't, well, if I don't, if I don't, I'm, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm going to reap less than I could have. I'm going to 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 reap the negative consequences or whatever the case may be. But what, so on one sense, it's a very profound principle. Obviously, it's biblical. And obviously, it's one that we need to talk about. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. But here's what's interesting with the way the 30 Life Principles book basically fills in this principle. The first part, you think, okay, just stop there. But it doesn't stop there. You reap what you sow more than you sow and later than you sow. That's where I'm having a little bit of a difficulty. You reap what you sow. All right. I get that. In fact, let's do something really quick. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm very interested here in how all the English translations translate this verse. I'm very interested here. Um it's Galatians 6.7, I believe. Yes. Galatians 6 7. Galatians 6 7. And I'm going to find the Biblehub.com. All right, here we go. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it in every from all kinds of English translations so that we can just really just hopefully this becomes as clear to you as possible. So do not be do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. New Living Translation, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, the first question we would have, okay, is this a principle just related to God, just related to, um, you know, to, to our relationship with God or how we treat God or what we do with God that... You know, there's a reaping and sowing connected with God, or do we understand this principle as going way beyond that? There's just a an amount, uh, there's a part of this that's just true in all of life. You're going to harvest what you plant. I like that. You harvest what you plant. You, you reap what you sow. I know it's saying the same thing, but you harvest what you plant. It may just make it more clear. It may be more crystal clear to you. So and what and whatever aspect of life what i'm planting is what i'm going to get back. I think i i think that's a very general and very true principle in in all elements of life. Again i'll, I'll just i'll just i'll just what i was what i was thinking i'll just i'll just go ahead and, and express it so it will make sense. Now part of me though we have to ask is this are we, are we applying this beyond the scope of this scripture? But for argument's sake, I'm going to apply it beyond maybe connecting it directly to God. Just a general principle a principle that's true in all areas of life. Or at least generally. There's probably always exceptions to it. But I think generally, I think we will all agree. So what I was thinking about is when I was in high school, I'll, 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 I'll primarily focus on high school. Look, there was a lot of things going on in my life. Like, I won't go through all the things happening in my family life. Wasn't then I had to live with a different family. My mom dies. To just everything that was going on in high school just made and everything in high school just made it an absolute just horrible experience. Hated every second of it. So there were things that were greatly impacting how I approached it. And to be honest with you, I wasn't planting much in it. I wasn't planting much as far as attention or effort or, or I just wanted to be done with it, right? And so I I was going to ultimately, I was going to harvest what I planted and I didn't plant all, I, I attended when I had to attend, but I wasn't planting a lot and I reaped from it. There were a lot of things I should have learned in high school, a lot of things I should have been better at, a lot of things, math, grammar, yeah, punctuation all kinds of different things I should have been better at but I didn't really plant much into it and I reaped I harvested it at a later time so I think this is a very important life principle that what wherever what whatever situation you find yourself right now what are you planting because that's what you're going to harvest. Now, how does this directly relate to God? That would be something that we'd have to work on Galatians 6. And maybe we'll work on this in that context. But here, again, here's the part that is, confuses me, right? So because the, the scripture says you're going to harvest what you plant. You're going to reap what you sow. So they come along in the 30 Life Principles book and adds, they add those two things. or or, or I'll give you all three. You're going to reap what you sow. This is all one principle, but it's all put together. You're going to reap what you sow. Got that. But you're going to reap more than you sow and later than you sow. You're going to reap what you sow, and they say, no, 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 no. You're going to reap actually more than you sow, and you're going to reap later than you sow. That's a weird, like the verse says you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to harvest what you plant. And they come along and they're like, you're going to harvest what you plant and you're going to harvest more than you planted and you're going to harvest later than you planted. And I just, I don't, why would they extend that? It feels to me that what they're trying to do is they're, they are connecting you reap what you sow to sin that when we sin we're planting right that 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 in sin we plant and we're going to harvest from that sin so in a sense you're going to har- you're going to harvest what you plant as far as sin is concerned and you're going to harvest more than you planted. In other words, you're going to plant some sin, but man, you're going to reap something far, far more. And you're going to reap far later uh, than, than you thought. You can go to your original pl- uh, planting of sin, and you're going to be reaping far removed from it. it it's almost like they connected directly to sin. Not, 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 not the positive things we could plant. But the sinful things we could plant, and I, and, and I, because the scripture they go with this is they go immediately to Judges. In fact, I'll just give you the scriptures. You can look at them for yourself right now. Uh, they start with Judges chapter two, verses one through four. Then they uh, go to Deuteronomy seven, one through six. Then they they come back around to Judges chapter one, verses twenty-seven to thirty-four. Then they go back to Judges 2, 1 through 4. And, well, really, they go back to Judges 2, 1 through 10. So, here's here's where they go again. So, basically, Judges 2, 1 through, they start off with Judges 2, 1 through 4, right? That's, That's the first part. That's the first thing I want you to read. Okay, after you read that, then they want you to go to Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6. Then, immediately, they jump to Judges 1, chapter 1, verses 27 to 34. Then they basically expand it to Judges 2 all the way from verse 1 down to verse 10. And it, it seems that it's all focused on failure, failure to obey God, sin. And so the reaping here deals with the planting of, the sowing of sin, you're going to reap it. They don't seem to connect it to a positive thing. Now, is it only to be reduced to a a concept about sin? Is, is, it, is it just supposed to serve as a warning and not as an encouragement to plant that which is good? It's just it's it's really fascinating. So I want I want to just start chasing it, but not now. Let's let's go to number seven. All right, here we go, number seven. So. Number one, our intimacy with God, its highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives. Number two, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Number four, the awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. Number five, God does not require us to understand his will, just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. Remember, I I would reword a lot of these, but okay. Uh, number six, you reap what you sow, more than you sow, and later than you sow. And it's just... Clearly, that seems to be going, I think it's going with the idea of of sowing sin and we reap the consequences of it. It seems to be connecting it primarily to just sin. But I don't know, can we say you reap more and you reap longer? When the Bible simply says you reap what you sow. Like, what gives them the biblical justification to take the principle and expand it? Number seven. The dark moments of our life will last only so long as is necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. The dark moments of life will last only so long as it is necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. Now, I don't know if this is an encouragement. I don't know, I don't know how quite. We should process this. It sounds very spiritual, sounds very theological, but you have to at least take it to its logical conclusion, all right? So let's say a dark moment in your life. Let's, let's connect it to recent news, right? Let's say your child, somewhere between the ages of seven and 10, was attending school the other day, and an 18 year old walked in and killed your child. That would be a dark moment in your life. That would be a horrific moment in your life. Now to say it's going to last only as long as it's necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. What? No, my child's dead. My child's never going to come back. So how can you say the dark moment is only going to last as long as it is necessary? That's, Does that work? Are you saying that I'm only going to feel the pain until, well, God has accomplished his purpose in my life? And what would God's purpose be in my life for me to suffer through the loss of a child? It would raise some serious theological and philosophical questions. But it seems to go with the idea that, hey, when you're going through a horrible time, a dark time, embrace it because God is working out his purpose in your life. He's working out his purpose in your life. You just embrace the dark. You embrace the pain. You just, because it's there for, and it's going to last until God is done working out his purpose. Do you find that comforting or do you find that disturbing? It's always been like, on one hand, you can say, well, that's that's awesome. There's a purpose in it. Like, I'm suffering. It's horrible. It's darkness. It's pain. It's tragedy. It's it's worry. It's all of these horrible things. But hey, God God's working out his purpose. God's working out his purpose. So I guess in some sense, that gives you some maybe positive feeling. But at the same time, you're like, wait a minute. God could not work out his purpose without causing this horrible tragedy, this pain. And you say, well, God didn't cause it. Well, but then that that gets into major problems. Well, God allowed it. So even if you say God didn't cause it, he allowed it. So he so why would God uh, God couldn't fulfill this purpose without doing this? It's the same problem we have with Job. Wait, so people say, well, he he had a purpose and he was doing something in Job's life. Yeah, and his family died. He couldn't have accomplished that same thing in Job's life without that tragedy. He set the whole thing up. But then at the same time, he set that whole thing up. This is one of those very difficult truths that that on one hand, I love the idea that God's working. he's, He's working in and through everything that happens to accomplish his purpose in my life. There, there. I love that there's a purpose connected to my life. It's not just randomness. It's just not meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. I do love that, but at the same time, you're like, well, Lord, you can't you accomplish your purpose without the dark time, without the suffering. But I guess from a, I, I'm not saying you go run to someone who's in the midst of suffering. And go, hey, your dark. This darkness is only going to last as long as it takes for God to accomplish His purpose. You, you have to be very careful what you say to people who are suffering, but I guess we can say it to ourselves. That, Lord, I, this is a dark period of time, and I'm suffering, but accomplish your purpose. It's an interesting one that we, we could probably flesh out, but again, the the, con, the principle is the dark moments of our life will last only so long as it is necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. Number eight, fight all your battles on your knees and you win every time. This is the concept that as you go through life and all the difficulties and all the pain, you you fight that battle, you fight those struggles on your knees. In other words, in prayer. In prayer. Now, I think... I don't know how he will approach the subject. We'll have to look at it maybe at some point. But I would say this. You win every time if you approach prayer the right way. If you approach prayer, hey, I'm fighting this battle, and I'm going to pray, and then God's going to fix it. He's going to make this go away. He's going to take care of this. And, And like you've got in your mind, you pray, God answers, and everything works out. Everything is fixed. Everything is resolved. People are better. Life is better. Everything is great. You won't win every single time you will become mad, angry, discouraged, and bitter. You don't pray, I think, for God to change. You can ask God to change the circumstances, but you really ask God to change you in the circumstances. Because I'm assuming the circumstances that you're praying about are happening, well, because of God's sovereign will, right? You see, it's, it's a so if I pray for it to go away, am I praying against God's will? Because it was God's will that brought that very thing into my life or that difficulty. You see, that's how do, how do we work that? But I do know this fighting the battle in prayer. You win every time if the goal is for that prayer to transform you and keep you spiritually minded and God centric in the midst of the difficulty. Number nine, trusting God means looking beyond what we can see to what God sees, right? I think trusting God is looking at things from a God perspective and not a man perspective. I think there's truth to that. So trusting God means looking beyond what we can see to what God sees. And number 10, if necessary, God will move heaven and earth to show us his will. I have massive problems with number 10. That God will move heaven and earth to show us his will. Stanley has this really like very developed concept that basically you've got to spend your life trying to figure out what God's will is. What is God's will to go here, buy this, marry this, marry this person, date this person, go there here for a vacation. And it's always you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. And he's like, God will move heaven and earth to make sure you know his will. Well, most people spend their life going, I don't, is it God's will to do this? God's will to do that? And to me, that's just a crazy way to live. Look, you want to know God's will? You open up the Bible and you read it. What's in the word of God that's applicable to you and that's directed towards you, that's his will. Plain and simple. Anything beyond that? You just find the principles that apply to the situation in God's word. You follow that. God's will is found in God's word. Finding God's will outside of God's word leads to utter confusion and spiritual chaos and anarchy, and it rarely is beneficial. So I completely, completely disagree with number 10, completely disagree. and, well, well, we'll have to study one time what he has to say. So here are the ones that we looked at today, all right? You reap what you sow, more than you sow, and later than you sow. I'm still just, that's the one we spent the most time with because I'm still just utterly perplexed by that. I, you reap what you sow. I get that. I get that. And I and I think it even is, on one hand, I want to say that's applicable beyond anything related directly to God. But they seem to be drawing the core. They seem to be going in the direction based off the scripture that they use for this point that you're going to reap what you sow or what you're going to harvest what you plant. And in other words, if you plant sin, you're going to reap that. You're going to reap sin and you're going to reap more than than you you planted in regards to sin and later than you planted in regards to sin. That, that this really seems to be dealing with something negative. Now, it would, I think it would apply to that which is negative, but only to that. Number seven, the dark moments of our life will last only so long as it is necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. Right? lots of issues that could arise from that one. Number eight, fight all your battles on your knees and you win every time. Number nine, trusting God. I'm sorry, I'm kicking the chair. Trusting God means looking beyond what we can see to what God sees. And number 10, if necessary, God will move heaven and earth to show us his will. those, are, now I know he's like, but I, I, I want to know more about these principles. Well, if there's one you want to know more about, let me know. We'll, 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 I'll make sure we make it a priority to study. But I just want you to hear that this is, these are the principles that Charles Stanley feels he's been teaching for 50 years of his ministry. So they've been influencing people around the world, not just in his books, 30 Life Principles, 30 Life Principles Study Guide, and the Life Principles Bible. They've shown up in all of his teaching in so many different ways. And so that means a lot of Christians may be living according to some of these principles without even maybe immediately identifying them with Charles Stanley because they heard these principles taught somewhere else by someone else who may not have even said that I got this principle or this idea from Charles Stanley. There. There we go. Oh, man, number 11, (laughs) number 11. Yeah, these principles are interesting. Each one I could just spin... I could spend hours just trying to. Again, I've always felt a disconnect with it. Like I'll read the principle and I'd be like, "Ooh, that sounds good, okay." And then, because when I was a younger Christian, I'm like, "Okay, now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go grab my notebook and I'm gonna write down the scriptural justification." And when I was done, I would look at the scriptural justification and go, "I don't. Does that really work? Does that does that really fit? Does it really?" And, and I, but I still think the concept of having life principles is interesting. But they've got to flow from the Bible. Even if they don't flow from the Bible, it would it, like I guess you could say if they don't flow from the Bible, then you could say here's like ten life principles I've learned. Being a Christian all of these years. And maybe they, and, and but you don't try to directly connect them to a scripture saying, Scripture's 100% prove this. Some of you just say, Here's some life principles that I live by. And and I know we're saying, Well, we can't do that because everything must come from scripture. Yeah, but a lot of times we say that and then we go for scriptures to agree with our principles. I think it's just sometimes just be honest. Here's some principles I've learned and that I think God, every Christian needs to know. Um, and then if you think there's a scripture that clearly articulates that, then fine. But then you can't go beyond what the scriptures say. For example, again, the one you reap what you sow more than you sow later than you sow, well, reap what you sow is the biblical principle. Where is this more? So there you go. All right. I know we didn't advance it very far, but there you go. All right. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We're, we're definitely going to, we're, we're, we're going to do more with these. I, I just, I, I, the, the, dis, the disconnect, it really, I, there's something about the disconnect that intrigues me. It's like, okay, so can I prove this principle better than like, can I find scripture that proves the principle better? Or if I go with the scriptures they give, do I come up with a different principle Maybe I'm the only one intrigued by the whole thing, but I'm just intrigued by the whole thing. And I have been for years. So when I came across it again, I'm like, you know what? I'll just, we'll just work on it. So you can tell me what you think about these principles. if at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.